This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. City are perfect through three games for the first time in seven years, but are they even playing to their best? Plus, who are the main threats to City's Premier League dominance and who do we prefer? It's Tuesday, August 29th. I'm Oliver Lowe. I'm Ollie McCool. And this is the City Report Podcast. It's here for Gundogan! It is a thrilling start for Manchester City. The fastest ever goal in an FA Cup final. 2023 is the City treble year. Champions of England, FA Cup winners, and now, at last, Champions of Europe. So, uh, two Olivers today, um, a bit of a double whammy, um, obviously going to discuss yesterday's game against Sheffield United and also look into the season going forward and City's oppositions for the title. Before we get into that though, Ollie, just want to give us some overriding thoughts on the display at the weekend and what you made of it. This episode is brought to you by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds, small town Welsh football club, is fighting for a chance at promotion. These two Hollywood stars lead a team in the midst of history in the making, while dedicated staff and supporters hold on to a dream of returning the team and this working class town in Wales to glory. FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres September 12th on FX. Stream on Hulu. Hey, Spotifyers, click or tap the banner to listen to Rap Caviar, the freshest 50 hip-hop songs on the rawest playlist ever. Brought to you by our friends at Stars and the new season of Power Book 4, Force. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of one of those games you expect for City against a newly promoted team playing a low block. Um, you know, very kind of difficult to break through early on, despite a couple of half chances, a couple of opportunities here and there. Um, but ultimately, it's one of those where, where we've seen City lose out before, drop points. I'm thinking Nottingham Forest away last season. I'm thinking um, Wolves at Molyneux, their first season back up in the Prem. 
um, Norwich uh, in 1920, for example. You know, these games that you can be quite difficult for City because it's a raucous crowd. The you know ground feels on top of them, and you know sometimes all it takes is one goal. Um, and we've seen City, you know, concede those late equalisers and never come back from them. So it was quite good to actually see them come back from them. But um, you you get the feeling that there's still a bit of kind of early season shakiness with this team at the moment, which is fine. I don't think it's anything to really worry about yet. Um, but overall, you know, got the win. Three, it's take the three points and run, really, isn't it? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I um, I was so relieved with the result yesterday, as you sort of said. Those are the types of games in the past where we really have had trouble, and I think although City definitely aren't at their best at this moment in time, um, I, I think it's a real reflection on our calibre as. Uh, champions and as serial winners I think the Premier League overall throughout the results especially within sort of the title uh, challenges that who will get on to it really reflected that Um, this weekend you look at Arsenal getting that draw very similar to our fixture you know a team that you're expected to beat Arsenal obviously couldn't quite manage it they weren't playing that well we had the exact same sort of game in the sense where we we didn't sort of get past probably second gear but the difference is is we managed to grind out a result and you know who knows how important that will be further down the line um just want to take a little moment I, I know this will have probably been covered um yesterday on the pod but just tell me about Rodri I mean time and time again nowadays he is coming up with these clutch goals um you know what 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 are your sort of thoughts on his performance his sort of place within the team and and also just his uh, his caliber of goals yeah i mean the the song can we talk about rodri is never more relevant than it is at the moment because he is just in top form uh, our, 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 you know a fellow contributor on the podcast joe said it yesterday he thinks he's the best player in the world and i fully agree with him i don't think there's anyone out there performing better than roger right now you know we we all, we watched him through last season we were all thinking yeah he's definitely the best you know, player in his position, but he's added serious goal threat to his game. I've said it a couple of times now. Fifteen league goals feels possible for him because he's just he, ju- he you know it's like Yaya Toure, isn't it? He can play deeper, he, but he can play, you know, he, he can make those diving runs, get the pitch, scores absolute worldies, you know, but can also do the placed side foot finishes like we saw in the Champions League final. You know, he just scores big goals. There was a compilation on um, on Twitter. Of, earlier today where it was just his winning goals for the club and it was you know cup final against Aston Villa the Champions League final obviously um the weekend against Sheffield United um you know the game against Aston Villa where he got the equaliser and then Gundogan scored the third he he just scores big big goals for this club and you know if we weren't already being inundated with statues you'd think his would be one already almost he's he's a legend of this club and he's been here what four years it it sounds ridiculous to say but it it really feels like the case with him and yesterday was just another classic performance from him you know he's i read a stat he's only misplaced 18 passes in the three premier league games so far 18 passes out of hundreds the guy's just ridiculous I i don't think there's anyone you know, whoever the second best holding midfielder in the world is, or whoever the second best midfielder in the world is, there's still a step down from Rodri and what he's capable of. And, you know, it, it, it's it's crazy that we've got this guy who just every week you could probably give him the man of the match award before the game even kicks off. And by the end of the game, he'll make sense. 
Um, you want to see him getting his flowers, you know, and you've got to think surely he's in contention for the Ballon d'Or in a few in a few months, in a couple of weeks or a few months, whenever it is. Um, the guy's just at a top, top level. And I'm so, so glad he's a Manchester City player because he's just perfect for what we need out of that role. <laughs> and he complements his other midfielders so well. You know, he was speaking after the game about Kovacic and the relationship there sparking that it allows him to have to offer more of a goal threat. And then you pair him with someone like Phil Foden or Kevin De Bruyne or even Julian Alvarez on the weekend who can do that grunt work around the box you know, to get the ball at the pitch, to keep the ball moving. It's a fabulous time to be a Manchester City fan, but it's a fabulous time to be talking about Rodri. Yeah, I mean, he he's a Rolls-Royce midfielder, isn't he? And what one thing that I feel quite strongly about Rodri is he uh, he seems to be one of the, the sort of few City players, to be fair, um, maybe outside of Haaland and Ruben Diaz, who have carried the form from last season straight into this season. There's a couple of players out there at the moment who seem like, you know... Um, they they aren't out of second gear. They're still warming up, you know, really, I, I guess, sort of jeering themselves up for the fight ahead for the season because last season was such a long season, you know, short break. And it did sort of seem at times yesterday there were a few players on the pitch that almost looked a bit stale. But Rodri's the complete opposite. He seems to have just... Um, carried on in his stride, carried on that rhythm. You know, I, I, he, he obviously had that quite funny quote a few weeks ago where he said, I've watched the Champions League final goal 5,000 times in every different language. And I think that goal for his confidence, for his legacy, for his performance moving forward into this season, he just seems like he's he's just playing at a really steady pace. And as you said, now with Kovacic, who's a bit more of a box-to-box midfielder as well, uh, as opposed to Gundogan and De Bruyne, it does give him that chance to get forward and um, you know create and score goals. But... I guess turning to, to sort of the subject of creativity, one big talking point around the, the match yesterday is that maybe City did lack that in the final third. We, we struggled to create chances. And obviously, I know in, in the past couple of weeks on the podcast, we've, we've spoke about KDB being out for a number of months now and, and maybe the importance of Foden stepping up. But without both of them on the pitch yesterday, and maybe going forward for the season when when neither of them are playing, do you do you think there is a bit of a, a lack of creativity within that City team? Yeah, I think as soon as we all saw the team sheet yesterday, we all kind of had the same sort of, oh, this is going to be a bit of a slower performance, a bit maybe a bit of a duller one. It's not going to be as it's it, you know it's not like we've lit the lit the match paper underneath them and let them fire away at it. Uh, but I think that's just because we're so used to certain types of creativity. You know, with Kevin De Bruyne, we're used to a player who just is constantly plying passes into the box, plying crosses in. It's why his pass completion is only something like 70-odd percent, which is low for a midfielder. Um, but because he's so elite and he's making so and he makes so many good chances, no one really minds. Uh, so we're so used to that sort. And then we, we watched Foden against Newcastle. I said it on this podcast. It was the best performance we've ever seen from him. Seven chances created. He's so good in between the lines, breaking those lines, you know, finding the right pass at the right moment. So not having both of them on the pitch, it, it's going to look more of a struggle because we don't have the types of players who can easily unlock the situations in that starting eleven. As I say, you know, we had Alvarez doing a lot of grunt work, a lot of running, you know, trying to pick up the ball in the right areas, trying to get shots off. Um, Erling Haaland clutching onto anything coming to him. You know, Kovacic, he's he's trying those through balls. And I think that's one of the reasons why we bought him. You know, he's so good at that dinked little through ball through. 
um, that Haaland eventually their connection is going to spark up beautifully, I think. And, you know, there's going to be some output from, from them both there. You know, we saw Bernardo trying a through ball. Um, so it limits our our options in terms of creativity, especially, you know, when, we, when we're not really playing a standard right winger, you know, Kyle Walker's our attacking threat. Um, it, was, it was obvious watching that game, you know, when we're firing c- crosses in from Kyle Walker to a centre-back at the back post in the 30th minute, something's not quite right. Um, but maybe that was the tactic. Maybe it was hold back, see if we can just get something from one of those. I don't I don't even want to call them opportunities, but something from one of those moments. Um, and Or just forcing it. And like, and like we saw with the penalty, um, the first, well, what was the only penalty in the game, but what should have been the first of at least two, um, clear penalty you know it's not putting the chances away that's the problem that City had um, so it's a difficult one to analyse that first half because you feel they should have got the job you, you feel they should have been one or two up at half time and, and then they just go into cruise mode um, but they just made it more difficult for themselves missing the target and and then luckily finally one went in um, for Haaland you know who would have believed it a, Jack Jack Grealish actually taking on his man for what feels like the first time this season. Um, he's he's got to be doing stuff like that more often, especially when De Bruyne and Foden aren't on the pitch. Probably for the first time in the past year and a half, really, that I've seen him yeah. take on his man. He needs to do it more often, definitely. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I, I I'd agree with that. I, I do sort of think that we lacked creativity yesterday but I don't think City lacked creativity overall as we've touched upon already players are finding their feet this season I think there was a noticeable difference when Phil Foden came on it was it was for five minutes at the end or or 10 minutes he maybe got and straight away all of a sudden we looked so much more alive in the final third he created a chance within a minute of being on for Julian Alvarez which probably should have been a little bit better taken than him, obviously leaning back and, and skying it over. And then obviously, you know, the sort of contu- the control and the touchdown to Rodri for that goal. I do think Phil Foden's going to be pivotal for us in the next three or four months. Um, but I also believe that players like Kovacic, Bernardo, Grealish, and, and even to an extent, um, Godfrey, have, they have the ability to... Um, to you know, create, and I, I think that will be something that we'll see more as the season goes on. Depending on KDB's injury as well, other players are going to have to step up. I remember the eighteen nineteen season. There was a massive worry when when KDB was out for pretty much the full season that we wouldn't have any creativity, and all of a sudden Bernardo Silva turned into prime Zinedine Zidane and and just became our biggest creative outlet. So I'm sure players will do that again. Um, I don't think it's too much for City to be worried about for now so we'll leave it there for part one in part two we're going to look at uh, I guess City's title rivals maybe assess where we we see them after the first three fixtures and and maybe who we'd who we'd like to see City be in a title race with come April um, so that's it for part one the NFL is here, and it's all about the sweet offers from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code FIELDGOAL to sign up. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. 
NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Welcome back to part two uh, of the City Report podcast. Uh, you're joined by myself and Ollie, double Ollie today. Just want to mention that if you are a listener, please do like, follow, subscribe, leave a rating, especially leave a review. We're always keen to get feedback on how you guys are enjoying the show and what maybe we could improve upon. But um, we're not here to speak about our faults today. We're here to speak about cities and uh, who we might be coming up against um, in in a title race. So, Ollie, look, three games in, what what have you made of the opposition? Yeah, so I think it's an interesting one because, you know, it, none of the kind of usual suspects have really started all that brilliantly, all too well, frankly. Arsenal, you know, that you know, it was a shaky weekend for Arsenal, Man United, and Liverpool, even though Liverpool and you know got the win in the end. But Arsenal 2-2 draw just kind of shows their naivety. Liverpool, they still have those fragilities in midfield and defense. Um, and Man United and Man United, they just they look they they think they're close, but they're miles off. And I think, you know, their more honest fans would admit that as well. Um, if you're looking at other clubs like Newcastle, um, and you know, some are even mentioning, you know, Brighton. I, it just doesn't feel like you know Brighton's time. I think they're they're going to max out probably top six again. Newcastle, I do, I do not see it with Newcastle at all. You know, they had a great opening day performance, but then they show then they just got absolutely shown up by us, created nothing, looked out of it. And you can do that against City, but when you ten men when you've got a ten man Liverpool, you one nil up, and you just give the game back to them so easily. It's it's not good enough. It's really, really not good enough by them. So I, I just feel like City are going to not, I don't want to say run away with it and be cocky and confident, but I would genuinely be amazed if City don't have this title locked up by the start of May. Um, I get the feeling we're going to get to, de- I get the feeling we're going to get to December and, you know, most sides are going to be thinking, right, okay, it's second, third and fourth we're going for, not first. Because whether that's because we're so far ahead or not, I don't know, but I... I'm yet to see the best of any of them. And I don't think it's going to come anytime soon because there's so many problems around. And just, I guess, one word answer. Out of the sort of six or seven teams, who would you most like to be in a title race with come come April? Who would I most like to be? Liverpool. Um, you know, as, as much as I hate them and as much as title races against them are difficult, they're easily the most bearable for me. You know, and I have, and I have more respect for them. I have more respect for them as a footballing team. You know, they've went, they've went, they've beat us before. They've won the league. You know, Anfield is still a horrible place to go, but I don't get, I, you don't get the feeling that the soft touch like you do with Arsenal. You know, we we steamroll Arsenal every time we play them near enough. Uh, Man United, they're they're backed up by cheating referees, and as soon as they don't have them, we we win. It's that simple. Um, as for all the others, they're just not there yet. I agree with what you said. Neither of the teams have looked that great straight out of the blocks. But to be honest, I don't necessarily think we have. You know, you speak about 
I guess Liverpool grinding out a result against Newcastle, Newcastle letting results slip against Liverpool, Arsenal not having great weekends. I think it goes back to what I said in part one, which is we've not looked that good. The only difference between us and them is we find ways to win um, time and time again, even when it's not you know necessarily our best brand of football. Um, I, I'm I'm torn on my answer because. I do miss the days of a of a inner city title race. I would love to um, be in one with Manchester United, but at the same time, we'd have to have a massive drop off in quality for that to happen. So, for the meantime, I, I'd, I'd agree. I'd, I'd go for Liverpool, um, but you know, I'm sure everyone might have their own answer. I mean, a title race with United would be interesting because I, I mean, I, we all have such good memories of eleven, twelve. Um, you know, and. Me, I was what 13, 14 years old, so it's you ease that nostalgia with them. But just imagine how unbearable they'd be like every time they, you know, either close the gap to us or you know, they take a lead in the table. Just imagine how unbearable they'd be. Uh, you know, that like they already are, and they and they're not even that special, I think. I mean, I've made a lot of reactionary comments in our group chat about Eric Ten Hag and. They've, and their and their summer and their recruitment and all of this, they're not very well ran. So, you know, I just do not see that being a good thing because they're already thinking, oh, with this brilliant football team, we're going to do really well in the vast majority. And the and this is the way we've got to see it compared to like eleven twelve. It's all online now. You know, we're surrounded by the likes of Goldbridge and all those other you know, annoying prats behind, you know, I don't want to say behind their computer screens considering how we're recording this, but you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's that set. It's, it's that same type of United fan that we have to put up with everywhere. Uh, I just don't know. I don't know if I have the stamina for a title race with them. Um, you know, I don't, to be honest, I don't know how we did it in the Liverpool years, you know, th- those, what, two, yeah, two title wins over Liverpool. So what, 20 yeah 21 22 and 18 19 they were horrible they were absolutely yeah, especially 18 19 when we were chasing them down those last 15 16 games after the win at the etihad it was horrible um and we all know how unbearable their fans can be but at, at the end of the day I was, out of all the clubs that, that we could potentially be in a title race with i respect them the most i don't think you know arsenal fans are the are just another breed of united fans for me the the same types of people just wearing a slightly different coloured red shirt, you know. You look you look uh, at these and, online um, fan bases. They're, they're all from London. That's the thing, isn't it? All from London in red shirts. Well, yeah, that's it. Exactly, exactly. That's it, isn't it? So you know, it's it's not only just a kind of Manchester divide thing or a kind of Manchester London divide thing, you know, between us and Arsenal. It's the same between us and United. Um, they're horrible. They're both just horrible fan bases online. I really, really do not like either of them. And for a long time, I didn't mind Arsenal. It was just until last season when they got far too cocky, far early on, because they had it. They had an undoubtedly great start to the season, but they just blew. They blew it away, and then they come back this season. Oh, we've won the Community Shield Super Cup. It's the most important trophy, lads. You got invited to it because we'd won both of them. You know. It's it's not that important, and they and, and I think it just kind of proved it that it took what a hundred hundredth minute winner, hundred minutes equaliser, and then a penalty shootout. You know who's expecting whoever whoever expects City to win a penalty shootout because I I never have. 
I'm, I've never seen City in a penalty shooting and thought, yeah, we're definitely winning this. Oh, it's just, it's it's unbearable. You know, mm. I mean, it, football fandom online is unbearable at the best of times. And there's a hell of a lot of City fans I can't stand as well. You know, I think I think here at the City Report podcast, we've got, we've got a really, really good group of relatively level-headed people. I'm probably the least level-headed of us all. But um, it so, some other fan bases, they're just ridiculous. Well, you said it. Well, I, I, and I'm I, and I can happily admit that I'll happily admit I I can be irate and, and overreact. But fr- but you know I'm I'm a fraction of what you see from Arsenal fans or United fans or at the moment Newcastle fans because they've got far too big for their boots after just especially after just being smacked by Darwin Nunes. You know, come on, give it give it a break, give it a break. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. And I mean, I think I think I think the tangent that you've just gone on there is is actually mainly around fan bases and less to do with the the sort of the football, the football itself, the the games, the atmosphere, the the sort of week in week out chase. And and obviously, I understand that because so much of, I guess, the footballing experience nowadays is is online social media is a huge part of everyone's footballing intake you know we like you say the gold bridges the arsenal the af uh, tv uh, and obviously if you're a city fan the city report podcast um but i i, I sort of think from a footballing aspect like you say arsenal have never delivered the moments they've never delivered the nights these sort of these moments that you build up to in a season, that's what I want from a title challenger. Because if you were to ask me to pick a fan base, flip a coin, that they are all quite as bad as each other. I'm probably going to sound really uh, disillusioned and, and almost hypocritical and, and whatever when I say this, but I do think for the most part, City have quite a grounded fan base. Um, you know, you obviously always have a few idiots here and there, but I think overall City have always had a really good, grounded, self-aware fan base who, you know, can say when players are doing brilliantly and can say when we're not. But let's just say other fan bases within the league that maybe title, um, you know, challenge for titles, sometimes... Um, aren't aren't so level headed, but from a footballing aspect, I suppose is is what I want to touch on. Is I remember that that game um, was it mid April or or maybe towards the end of March against Arsenal at the Etihad, um, and and you know Sky were trying to to label it as a title decider, which which I, I guess on paper it was, and and you know um, I remember Robbie from um, from Arsenal Fan TV doing this big, you know. Um, cinematic clip outside the Etihad before the game you know this is our destiny this is the night this is when it all happens and for me personally it just felt really flat I just remember it was like a Wednesday night game and I was like I'm not nervous I'm not scared I think we'll batter them we did batter them we it was really easy as well to say almost embarrassingly so you know I know they give it the whole Saliba was out but Kevin De Bruyne inside what six minutes, just scoring that goal to like running past the entire team, and from there, there on, I was an absolute steamroller of a match. And just against Arsenal last season, at no point did it really feel that that scary. City fans have, um, sorry, City players have been quoted in the past sort of couple of of months um, with saying we knew we were going to win the title 
you know, we, we knew when we were eight points behind. I think it was maybe Ilkay Gundogan or Rodri or, or something maybe from um, this new documentary that's meant to be coming out God knows when, saying we always felt like we were going to win, which is great because that's the attitude of champions. But I never heard those types of quotes in previous years against Liverpool. You know, when we used to play Liverpool on a Sunday early kickoff or, or a Tuesday night game or something like that, my weekend, my my week just revolved around it. I'd, I wouldn't be able to sleep the night before the game. The entire day, it's all I'd be able to think about. I'd be thinking about the dangerous players in that Liverpool team. I'd be so scared. I'd be thinking this could go one of two ways. And, and the, the sort of football and emotion of it and those matches, they they were, you know, gargantuan battles. They felt like real, real Premier League classics. I think most City fans would agree that that two one um, at the Etihad against Liverpool that night was was like this era defining moment. It was probably one of the best games at the Etihad of all time. Probably like the most, um, I guess, purest Premier League fixture we've ever seen in terms of two just probably ridiculously some of the best teams we've seen, some of the best football we've seen in the Premier League going up against each other. It was it was beautiful and it was enigmatic and it it was scary. And I just don't feel that with Arsenal. And I did used to feel it with United because of the fact that, you know, you were going into school or into work the next day and you had to speak to the United fans. And I felt it with Liverpool because of the class of that team. You know, there's no there's no point beating around the bush now. That that team was scary for three or four years. Arsenal, I do not have that at all. And even now this season, I don't have it. They've added Rice, they've added Havertz and Timber and... I don't know. I could be wrong. Maybe come the end of the season, when whenever we face them um, for the for the last time, um, it might be a bit of a different picture. But when when push comes to shove, I, I just back us to beat them where it matters all the time. So for that reason, that's why I sort of said United um, or Liverpool because I want it to feel like it means something. Mm-hmm. Last 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 year. Um, it meant something because it was three in a row and it was part of a treble. But like like I said, and, and like the player said, it always felt like it had an inevitability about it. But against Liverpool, it never did. And and that's sort of, I guess, I guess what 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 I'm looking for moving forward. Um and and you know, that's just that's just how I see it. So we will leave it there for today. Um, Make sure you tune in for the rest of the week. There is going to be, as always, some great City content coming your way. Uh, Once again, if you don't already and you are a regular listener, follow, subscribe, like, recommend us to a friend, tell your dad that we're the best City podcast on the market and uh, spread, spread the good word. Looking forward to bringing you some more City related content throughout the rest of the week. Uh, Until next time, see you later. Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. Great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.